Welcome to the Culture of Kindness podcast. Have you wondered about the direction the world is going? Wondered if you and the rest of the world are connecting in a healthy way? I can see it in others, and now I've changed the lens through which I see the world, and to be kind is the only possible result. Because you, you don't have the language of talking, it's kind of almost a language of kindness. In this podcast, we discuss everything from what makes a brilliant leader to where is the world going on our current trajectory and how can we make a culture of kindness and do we actually need to or are we doing all right just as we are? It's roughly 2,000 years since some bloke got nailed to a tree for suggesting that we should all be a little bit nicer to each other. And I fear that over the last 2,000 years we haven't moved on very far from that. Inherently, humans are very badly flawed. And there, there is... I, Nahala Summers, became obsessed about the power of kindness after it was the kindness of a stranger that changed my life. So now I am lucky enough to talk to the most eclectic mix of people, probably on any podcast. Come inside and subscribe. It will open your mind and world up to the best examples of living life wholeheartedly. When you look on the Facebook, even when you look in the comments on BBC, everyone goes, oh, I hate bullies. But then that's like saying, I hate water. You know, bullies have come from somewhere. And what was going to tap on my shoulder from somewhere that said, you cannot just do an act of kindness in a day and that be good enough. Thank you so much, Ricky, for being on a Culture of Kindness podcast. I'm extremely honoured to have you here and you've got a great story to tell. Um, I've recently seen some stuff that you were doing on the BBC and telling your story Maybe you could share with us about what that story looked like and the journey that you've kind of been through over the years. Um, yeah, cool. Um, so firstly, I'd say that I think that I think most people would say the thing that's pronounced me the most is probably going through bullying. But I, the only thing they missed out on the BBC, which I think they should have said, is that a lot of people go through stuff, but it's more what we do about it that makes us champions or not, mm. not what we've gone through. So most of the most interesting people I've ever met have gone through something, you know. So I, I was bullied at a young age um, and I grew up with my, my nan because my mum was always working and my dad wasn't around. So um, I, I had a really good foundation, but um, my bullying when I was first, when I was really young was just banter bullying because I was kind of fostered for a while for five years and then when I came back it was just banter. But because and I always say this to people as well: if you haven't got siblings, um, single children are probably brought up by you know nice mum and dad, so they're not used to all the the banter back and forward. But when you've got siblings, you you can get um, you know you can. Your brothers and sisters can be horrible on one day and then the next day they're lovely. Then they're horrible the next day and then you get used to it anyway in the end and you get hardened to it. But if you grow up with parents who are just nice to you all the time, you're not really used to it. So that's something um, kids need to learn as well. And other kids often don't mean it, but they're just uh, used to getting that at home. Mm. And so I was quite sensitive to that anyway. But then when I was about, um, I'm, I'm thinking it was about 12 or 13, there used to be a guy that used to come around every summer and I'm okay now because often I have to speak in front of schools and that. 
Mm. And the energy in front of the school is quite bad. So I always end up crying usually when I talk about this bit. But over the phone, I'm okay. And I've released it a lot lately with the BBC and stuff. So he used to come round every summer. Um, and I can only describe him as like a Mike Tyson character. I was about 12 or 13 and he was about 18 or 19. And he was a big, strong guy. Um, mm. And obviously he had his issues, which I, I, I understand now. But obviously I didn't as a kid. Mm. Um, and in the end, it... it, it you know what? I think other people have probably gone through worse beatings than what I went through. But he did beat me a few times. Then he threatened me with knives. And one night I went out with my friends and he stoned me in a park and they was all afraid of him. So they all started stoning me. And then I remember running home and screaming through the streets. And then that sort of stuff stays with you, you know, because then your, <clears throat> your friends as well, you look at them differently. Mm. So they didn't mean it. They was probably going through fear with him as well. Um, and then I carried all that. Eventually, I started doing some martial arts, but I, ha I, I carried all that anger of my dad not being around, my going through the bullying, and that turned to anger. And then I started becoming a bully and fighting people and um, being horrible to other people. So mm -hmm. I'm fully aware there's probably people out there that I could meet now that could say, you know, you in a way, you know, you bullied me. And, and, I, and I completely get it. I know where it came from. So this is my way now of reaching out to kids. And now I've gone the full circle, you know, of understanding it all. It's my way of reaching out to kids and, and explaining this is all part of the journey. Don't take it personally. And and often I wouldn't have been doing what I'm doing now. I run a martial arts federation around the world. I run my anti-bullying thing around the world. I'm the head coordinator for the UFC, which is a massive mixed martial arts company. All of this probably came from that. So yeah, you can you can blame it and you can use it to hold you back, or you can take hold of it and use the energy to take you forward. You know, what I sense from you as you're talking there is this deep reflection that you've had and done around understanding what those bullies did to you, and then seeing it from their perspective. Yeah, I mean, when when I do talks at schools. And people don't mean it. When you look on the Facebook, even when, when you look in the comments on BBC, everyone goes, oh, I hate bullies. But then that's like saying, I hate water. You know, bullies have come from somewhere and water's good and bad. You can drown in it or you can, it's lovely. So these kids, I bullied. So you see me now as this person, but you could have seen me as that person as well. So I, I do get what people are saying. If someone's bullying, it's a horrible act, but you have to look what, you know, like you look at someone like Mike Tyson and, you know, all of us, we're brought out into the world and some of us are just let go. Mm. Um, he, he went on to do all these things that people can chastise about him, but now he's doing amazing things and he could reach so many people with his story because he went through a really, really bad childhood, but people don't see that. that. That energy has to come out somewhere. And if you're around people where anger is a reflection of your day, then that's what you're doing. You've gone from extreme anger and upset and bullying to somebody who's making massive changes in other people's lives and clearly putting others before yourself. Was there a defining moment that changed that? Was there something that made you go, uh, I can't continue to live like this? That's a really good question. So there's two things. One would be I was brought up by my nan and she was an amazing human being. And when you're a child, you don't realise how great certain people are around you. So she was she was my my rock, you know, and I didn't know it then, but she's always been the one that's affected me the most. Um, 
I lost her when I was about 18 or 19, but she made the biggest difference in my life. And then, um, what was the second part of that question? Because I got deep into my men. You know? <laughs> I know. Um, just, uh, and oh, I yeah, got deep into them right? then yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> so just as my nan died, I was going through my all my issues. And then mm. after she died, um, I think what I was trying to say there was I had good in me. I'd been brought up well, and that's why I had to, at some point, I looked at what we were all doing. All my group of friends, and they call it ghetto child, if you're brought up by friends rather than a family, um, all my group of friends were the same now enough. We were all angry young men, single parented, and no, we had no guidance. And that, I think it was about 22, I suddenly looked at it all and thought, this is terrible. I was seeing it on a, you get used to it. You know, like when you first see fights or um, someone getting hurt or mugging or anything like that, it's like, wow. But then if you're seeing it all the time, it becomes normal. That's why when people look at kids today, I get it because I've seen both ends, so I can talk to them. Um, but yeah, I think I was about 22 and I just, I remember it was, I saw a fight that I wasn't so much involved in, but my friends were, and that's the first time it reached me. I thought, this is really, really horrible. This is mm. really, so I was the first one to kind of say in our group, I think, you know, I can't do this. I'm stepping off. And I separated myself from the group that we were hanging around with mm. and everybody did it in the end. But um, yeah, you, you reach an age when you, you, you start to get it. If you're lucky, if you've had the right people around you in the beginning, you know, that must have been extremely lonely because you had, you know, you, it's a really interesting term, ghetto child, and and you kind of, they become your family and then you're walking away from them. Yeah. You're good at this question, Malarkey, <laughs> isn't you? Um, yeah. No, you're exactly right. It was lonely. You, have, you do have to find a strength. It's, doing the right thing is not always the easiest thing. But if you know you, you sort of, and 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 that will come down to who you're hanging around with as well. If you're lucky, you've got a strong partner or a friend who who backs you on making the hard decisions. But yeah, I was my best friend um, is a guy called um, Paul Hines, and he's a big MMA coach. Um, he, he sort of went through the same thing as me as well. But he was he was all, like I think he grew up with his brother, so he was a bit stronger in the banter thing and that. But he. He was similar. So I think at the time I said to him, I'm doing this, he would have backed me. And then I didn't need a lot of friends. If you've got good quality friends, it's a lot more important than having a lot of friends. Mm. And it took me a while to realise as well, you've got to drop, you've got to drop out energies that are not helping you, you know. If they're not, if they're not really happy for you when you're succeeding, then you've got to, you've got to let them go. Yes. There's a real art to that as yeah. well, I think. Yeah, yeah, tell me. Just taking us back to your nan you know you were brought up by her you said that you probably didn't appreciate you know the good that she was giving you but she was actually laying a foundation for you what were the qualities that she had within her that then ultimately started that uh foundation well she was a massively strong woman anyway she brought up four children on her own in ireland going through the depression, got them to America, came over here, brought them all up on her own. Um, and they all went on to be quite successful. Like my aunts was, one of my aunts was the first female mountaineer guide in the world. And, and my other aunt was, is one of like the top nuns in the world. So it's in the blood, I think, a little bit. I think as well, I think I've always been a hugger with that now. And I think I taught my nan to hug. I think I, yeah. And I make all my students hug. It's big, you know, that people can feel that, I call it vulnerability, but it, it, it's um, 
Yeah, there's a word I was just trying to think of there. It's not coming to me at the moment. But, um, yeah, people see that vulnerability. When you really laugh or really cry, they, they can really feel it off you. So I think my nan, the, the amount of love. I was looking at some photos the other day. It's really funny. I was looking at some photos of me as a child and the way she sat and smiled. And as I was older, and obviously she'd learned to love me so much, because she had a lot of nieces and nephews, but I was the only one that lived with her. So if you're surrounded by someone every day, and then she saw me grow, you know. So eventually when she was old and, 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 and not that great, I used to carry her and do things like that. So, you know, you build that that bond. I mean, that love is, um, I need to start crying again here. <laughs> yeah, so that was, yeah, that, no, I was really, yeah, I was really lucky to have her. And, and I think her strength is in me. Like she used to try and stand up for me, but the thing with the bullying as well, some of the characters, and especially one that guy I was saying you about, he was a big man who wasn't afraid. He would have come to my door and beat my nan up. It wasn't, it was too much for a child like me to have to deal with, yeah. worrying about someone like that. That's why, I mean, I've, obviously I've got a daughter and I, I need her to feel, even though I don't live with her, I, I need her to feel, you know, I mean, she, that I'm there all the time and I love her to death and I guide her, I kiss her too much and I tell her I love her too much probably, but there is no such thing as too much. That's what builds confidence in kids, knowing they're supported, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love this idea that you talk about hugs and that I imagine that your grandmother had to kind of be very stoic and strong and therefore getting the hugs and love from you um, consistently was something that softened her as she aged, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. The the hugs thing, when did that start when is, is, have you always had that and felt that that physical touch uh, has been important yeah and it got it got reaffirmed a little bit there's a really good um presence a guy called jeff thompson i don't know if you heard of him he's a he's an award-winning writer bachelor award-winning writer and he's written loads of films and stuff and I met him during um, more when he was involved in the martial arts. And he was big into that as well. And because I looked up to him as someone who's, who, who spoke the truth, and that's the word I was looking for earlier, authentic. You, you know authentic when you see it. Um, and he was very authentic. He, he's, you know, I like to think now that that's, that should be our mantra, that we're just, because we're all liked for who we really are when we show the real us. People get us when we're real. It's when we're we're showing a false side that people are confused. So I see him hug people and do that, and that affirms. Yeah, I mean, I'm, that's how I feel, and I'm comfortable with yeah. that. You know. Yeah. Do you think you know over your time working with the people that you've worked with? Because I imagine that you've worked with thousands of kids now within your work, and 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 adults as well, and supporting them. How many of those have an issue with having physical contact as a rough percentage? Would you say more or less people are um, comfortable with that? That's a good question too, actually. Yeah, that's a weird one because, yeah, depending on who you work with, a lot of the kids I obviously meet, it's weird. it would be weird for them with hugging and that. So, mm. you know, you've got to be careful with stuff like that. Um, but I... I did have someone that uh, went through a real bad situation with being beaten by her partner and abused. Mm. And in, in in the beginning, she couldn't be around men really in the room. Mm. And now she's got to the point that she'll hug anyone and all that. It just takes time. And 
you know, like I still meet some guys in the class, and oh, I don't like all that hugging stuff. But that that that's just them, and I get it. But that goes back to you know when we're taught wrongly about don't don't cry, that's weak. That's one mm. of the most annoying sentences people can say because it's a really massive, strong emotion in you, and it's a release. Mm. So you wouldn't tell someone don't laugh. So why would you say don't cry? Because <laughs> I cry as easy as I laugh, and 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 I think it makes me more authentic. And people don't. I mean, you know, people training me, they know I can fight or whatever. They don't look at me any different. If anything, I think they think I'm stronger. So why would you not show that? And why, yeah. are, we, why are we trying to stop people from just being them? Yeah. Stop following other people. Find your own unique group. Yes, know? yes, 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 yes. I literally <laughs> just posted something about this. You know, everyone's copying and following and just you've got to go into yourself find out who you are do that work and then come out and do work that's going to benefit you I I couldn't agree more with that you know fighting obviously you what you've done really is take all that stuff that you did on the streets and turned it into this positivity and this story of positivity where now it's it's the same, but you're channeling it in and getting the opposite outcomes than from what you did before of one that was probably very negative to one that's now very positive. Um, some of those stories, though, you you talked about, and I don't know whether you have other stories, but on the BBC Three, there was, there was um, highlighting a particular person on it. Um, do you have stories where that has made such a difference and the work that you're doing within your charity has made such a difference. Yeah. And, and the weird thing as well, you know, like with, with the charity, I, I, it's called the power of words. Okay. So mm. I haven't really taken it forward as a charity. I just always run it very subtly and people have always reached out to me without even knowing and then other people would do it. Um, it's probably something I should do. I probably should do it properly, but it's, it's always done what it's needed to do. Um, yeah, regarding people people reaching out, it, it's really weird. Like, for instance, that went out on Saturday, I think, or Sunday, and then I got a phone call um, the next morning from a mutual friend who I didn't even know. They didn't know me. And she said, I got the wrong end of the stick with, it, with the story, really. But she said, oh, my son got beaten up last night, and it's terrible, and blah, blah, blah. And I went, where are you? And it, it wasn't too far. It was only, like, 45 minutes away. I said, look, I'll come now because... He needs someone now because she was saying like I'm alone and my his, his dad's not about blah blah blah. So, mm. so I went I went straight over. He isn't really getting bullied. He got beaten. He got robbed that night. But he had he had a similar story to me with no dad and things like that. So that's all it needs sometimes, you know. It just needs something small like that, just someone to know that they're being heard. The mum needed to know she was being heard. And then when I got there, the funny thing was he didn't even want to talk to me. He was like in his room. He's like, what have you found him for? I don't want to talk to anyone. But actually, I, I feel like we really connected once we spoke. I think mm. it's hard not to connect with me because I'm coming from a really honest place and I really want the best for people. Yeah, absolutely. Do you believe that our greatest gift is listening to people then? Yeah, and love. And then sometimes you've got to say stuff they might not want to hear, but for the right reasons. But if he's coming from love, they'll they'll get that as well. Most of the things I said to him, he probably didn't want to hear. I didn't like the way he spoke to his mum. I, I felt he needed to reach out to his dad. I told him he was wasting his time in the evenings. He should be 
going doing some type of sport that he likes doing and he should get a Saturday job in what he wants to be doing because he's a young man with so much potential. What the hell is he keeps doing what he, he's always doing? He's always going to have that, you know? Do you think that that's got worse? I mean, you're, it's difficult because we all see the world in our own little silos. I recognise that. But do you think that that's worse now than it was before when you were growing up? that people are not getting out there, getting the jobs, you know, the Saturday job or getting out there being polite to their parents or, you know, with some respect? Do you think it's got worse or...? Yeah, that's a good question. I think because we've empowered people now with more freedom and more rights, mm. I think in the old days when your dad used to clip with your own hero and there was a little bit of fear, and I'm not saying clipping around your hero is the right way, I'm just saying there should be some responsibility for your action. Mm. And it has become, I see the way kids talk to people and you feel like, like, for instance, if I'm out in the street and someone younger than me is rude to me, mm. I try and tell him about himself, he's got no respect for me, then that's why often it becomes physical. Mm. Because the police can't do anything that no one else can do something. So how else are you meant to train this person that their parents should have trained? Yeah. Someone, yeah. you know, someone should guide us. And if there's no one to guide us, then what we're meant to do, we're meant to take their abuse. Mm. You know? Mm, it's, it's, that, that's a shame how that's become. Mm. But um, listen, I'm I'm 50 now, so I, I was hanging around the streets when I was 18. So it's exactly the same. I was hanging around in the States and thinking I was something and thinking I was hard and I really wasn't, you know? Yeah. But that, I don't think that's changing that much. But definitely the fact that someone can have someone to reach out to them and just say, look, what are you doing every night? You know, you, what's what, what did you get out of the last month of hanging around out there? And what have you done on your Saturdays meeting your mates and having a puff? And what are you positively getting out of that? So mm. why don't you put some more in and then you'll get more out? Mm. I, I believe that we should have, and I'm not I'm not knocking any of the classes we have at schools, mm. but I'm I'm spiritual in the fact that everyone's allowed to believe in their own religion, right? And that's great. Mm. But we should rather than having a class on religion and having a class on social studies or something, I think there should be a class where kids should be able to, because some of their guides are not great. Some of their parents are not brilliant. Some people are not allowed to have dogs, but they're allowed to have children. So they're not going to be great at bringing them up. And that's not their fault. They should, just shouldn't have it. Yeah? Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, I'm going to say stuff sometimes people ain't going to want to hear, right? So there should be a class where kids can talk about what's going on at home and other people can give them their feedback and then they can hear it from other people's point of views and don't always think, just because my dad's telling me there's a Father Christmas, it's true. Just because yeah. he says, oh, black people are this, or Jews are this, or whites are this, it's not, it's definitely true. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a young person growing up. I'm able to make my own decisions. But there should be a class every week. And they mm -hmm. should teach kids about mortgages and yes. getting a car and the responsibilities of having stuff and doing stuff and the responsibility mm. of your actions. And it should just yeah. be, that should be basic fundamentals. Yeah. I don't do maths. I don't need maths. I've got a calculator on my on my phone. <laughs> That's right. There's a, there's certainly a shift within the education system now. You know, because before, when you wanted to learn something, you had to go to the library and you didn't always learn from that. Well, now you have a phone, so anything you ever want to know, you yes. just say, "How high is that mountain?" You don't need to learn it in school anymore because all of that general knowledge is at your fingertips. Should you choose to do that. But there is an emotional intelligence that's starting that I feel and I see is starting to miss from society. And it doesn't mean that we were all sorted before by any means, but we have so much 
more things impacting us, um, such as different things, technology, social media, different pressures, the world in its environment is um and the news and, and everything. So it's impacting them all the time. And, and I strongly believe that, yes, our education system should, you know, there are parents who are just not doing it and it's and that's just spreading, you know, and then they're having children with, with very little understanding of how the world works and so it goes on. And I think the only way we change that is to change it in education and then we can start again. You exactly. Know. One box doesn't fit all. You can't have all these children um, learning and training in the same way and expecting no. the same results when every single child is so uniquely different. Mm. I have this big belief that we should have things like a presentation class from very young and they choose to present on a topic of their choice. They spend the entire term researching, learning themselves on a topic they actually want to know about and then they have to present it in a different way every time because presentation skills whichever industry you go into is hugely important being able to stand up in front of people and talk being able to do a, a report on something um and it's so simple isn't it it seems so simple to me and it seems so simple to you um being at the heart of it and seeing how it works yeah um so, so many questions <laughs> and i know that i'm time keeps ticking away from me how do you, you know, you've, you have completely changed and developed and clearly have a very strong sense of self-awareness and self. How do you manage your personal well-being? I mean, I know you accept the sadness. You accept when you, so that's obviously one huge point. But what other things do you do to manage your personal well-being? Sorry, it broke off a little bit at the end there. You said you accept the sadness and then what? Oh, sorry. So you accept the sadness that happens and you you are able to feel emotional about it. But what is it that you do that supports your personal well-being to be in a strong place that you are? I think accepting who I am, because it takes ages for us to learn who we really are, because you know, we're governed by, you know, you see 10,000 images a second. There's there's light and movement and shadows. And then you're surrounded by people saying stuff and doing stuff and things like that. So finding yourself, and like I said, this always comes back to the school thing. Could you imagine we had the first 10 years of when they're at school shaping them and making them find their own unique pattern, how the world would change in 10 mm. years? Mm. That, and, that, and that's it. It's accepting and knowing who you are accepting that it's okay for that person over there to think that and feel that and be that mm. and I like them for that not mm. oh well my dad taught me or my mum taught me and that's not right blah 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 there is no wrong or right as long as people are not hurting people then it's not it's not wrong is it no. so yeah I you're right I accept I, I feel like my daughter's really like me and I say to her all the time look get ready for this because this is going to happen with you later on and it did <laughs> she's now dropped out loads of friends Mm -hmm. because she realizes they're not healthy you know and I do it in a I try to speak to her from a young age she was bullied a little bit at school when her first school mm -hmm. and obviously that was big for me when I when I first found that out mm -hmm. so I took her over the forest and I said to her right this is what I want you to do I want you to shout out loud what you really want out loud I want you to really say what you really want and what you really think and she's like I'm confused I don't know what you mean I'm like 
what do you really want? Do you want really nice friends? Went, yeah, we'll shout it out as loud as you can and let the universe hear it. Let the energy feel what you really want. Because at the moment, you're seeing bullies, thinking about bullies, and you're getting more of them. So now I need you to start thinking about what you really do want and shout it out loud. And then from that, she's still, I mean, she's 18, so she gets it a bit. I think she gets it a lot more than most people, to be honest. Mm. But as she grows as well, that will have a big effect on her because she's always been getting that positive vibe, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what I think everybody's missing. We're not all on the same page when it comes to understanding your thoughts are massive. They're going to create what, you know, your next thing, what you're thinking about, you're going to bring about in one respect or another. And that can be bad or good. Where did that come from for you? Because you were in a situation where it, it was complete, your life was completely opposite. And then you are teaching your daughter how to think positively. Where did that come from? There seems such a divide between the two worlds. I think reading. I think I started to educate myself in the right way. And I might have seen something on YouTube or something about certain people. And then I was drawn to that. Yeah. Because, you know, you're, like I said to you before, authentic is massive, especially yeah. for me. If I see someone authentic, and it's really funny, I say it all the time, and I don't mean it in a bad way, but I love geeks, and they get upset that I call them geeks. And I'm like, <laughs> why are you upset by me calling you like that? Because you are. And that's why I love you, because you're just this uniquely unique person in your own right for that. You yeah. love books, and you love computers, and you love talking about whatever it is. But there's no threat with them. There's no, they're not trying to hurt anyone or, you know what I mean? Yes. It's not trying to, oh, I'm putting up a photo of me a certain way so that everyone will like me. They're just, they're just being authentic to themselves. And there, and, and you're right, because you talk about, actually, I educated myself. So you have a huge amount of respect because you recognise the power of educating yourself and what difference that makes. So... Yeah, it's that's it's a respect. But you thing. you hit on a really good point. Rather than telling children what they're meant to be thinking and doing, find out what they're interested in, yeah. and then push them that way. And then if someone likes something, they'll find the passion to go and read about it, or you know, check it on on on, on the internet and stuff. They'll yeah. follow it in their own way because they're passionate. But trying to force someone to study something they're not even interested in is ridiculous. Yes, I wasted thousands of hours. I probably didn't at school because I was rubbish, but. <laughs> My mum would put me up in a room on my own and I'd wasted thousands of hours of not doing stuff because yes. I didn't even like what I was doing and it didn't make no sense. No, absolutely. Um, this podcast is called A Culture of Kindness and not once, I don't think I've actually used the word kindness at all in our entire conversation, pretty much. Um, I use it a lot more normally and <laughs> and I think that's a powerful testament to the conversation that you've been having that's about compassion and about um, the whole story and the stories that you've brought to the table today. Um, I have a couple more questions. I, I, well, I have a thousand more questions, but I only have a couple more that I can fit into this podcast. Um, people often say that kindness is weakness. You know, you go out into the workplace and people, you, oh, we can't be kind. We need to get things done. We need to be doing things. And you are ultimately within this kind of uh, martial arts fighting arena. Um, I don't think fighting is quite the right word. It seems too aggressive. But 
what would you say to somebody who's talking about kindness is weakness? What would you say to them? To me, love love is the is the highest frequency anyway, and mm. violence is a, a really super low frequency, right? So people can feel kindness. Like like I said, my my biggest hero was my nan, mm. and I still I still know I still feel that. I mean, you can call it kindness and love. To me, they're the same thing. Mm. Um, it's not, and, and I know what people are saying, oh, you know, like, especially the younger guys I talk to in gangs and stuff, and they're like, yeah, you know, if you show, you know, you're nice as someone, it shows weakness. And I'm, I'm, I kind of try to say to them, no, I, I get what you're saying, but I can be, I can be kind, but still be firm and strong. Mm. I can be, you know, like when I go and see someone, I say, yeah, I'm coming here to help you, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Mm. and you know i can give something to someone but then i can say if you use that you need to use it like this mm. so it's not they're not mixing up kindness they're mixing up that some people will just try and take advantage of you if they can so mm. it's okay whether you're kind to them or not they're put you know they could still you still got to be streetwise and, and not let people do that mm. but kindness like i said and i i put kindness and love in the same thing love is everything if you mm. give out love, that's all. That's what you're going to get back. If you're giving out this, which I did for years, probably from 16 to about 22, mm. and, and you still do it now in ego, I put up these walls and barriers to protect myself from mm. being a bully. Then how I thought I should act by looking at the guys that were around me. And whereas I was never authentic. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I, I was No part of that was I authentic. I had all these walls up and barriers and this act of what I thought I should be. Whereas... It was the kindness of my nanny in the beginning and the love from her. And then seeing, it, I, would, I mean, I met some really good martial arts instructors along the way that were just genuinely kind, just genuinely trying to make it better for me. Mm. My, I think where, I, where I'm different a little bit, everybody comes in the classes, I'll hug them. Mm. And, and I make them hug at the end of the class. But if when I grade them, I'll be screaming at them because I'm trying to make them find them. Because there's, there's a point when you get graded where it's really hard and you want to give up. Yeah. And I'm saying there's going to be a time when you're going to be on your own when you most need this training. You, mm. you must learn not to give up on you. So mm. my, even though it comes over a lot, I'm being really hard on you. I am. It's through love I'm doing it. So kindness comes in different respects as well, you know? Yeah. So sad to be at the final question. Um, <laughs> I can't even tell you. But um, final question, and I always ask my guests this, what does the term a culture of kindness mean to you personally and how do you think that we get that in the world? And again, I'm, I'm, I'm spinning it a bit, but to me it's a culture of kindness is love, so it's a culture of love. Mm. Could you imagine that every day everyone thought about the words they said to someone else? you know, and not just spoke without a filter and someone walked off and went, what did he mean by that? But if you just gave everyone love, and that is kindness, yeah, just being kind to someone, and it's 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 what you do, but how you do it and, how, you know, how you interact with people. So if someone, for instance, turns up at my class and I hug them and they have a great class and I hug them when they go, every part of that experience was beautiful. Mm. So I, I am fully aware that I, I still sometimes my anger comes out it comes out in passion but it's too passionate for people mm. so I have to check check myself and what I mean by that is you could wake up at the beginning of the day and think right I'm going to work how can I interact with people to give the best of me to get the best of them 
Mm. And you can do that all the time. It takes 10 seconds. You just sit before you go into a meeting, before you see your girlfriend, before you go in with your family. How can I get the best out of this moment and not go in there blind with holding your argument from, with your girlfriend earlier or your mum and dad or whatever? It, it, each moment is new. So if mm. you can, be kind in that moment because that's what you're giving out as an energy, as a vibration. And that's what's going to come back to you. So the, it's a beautiful thing, really. It's like the present that keeps on giving. The more you give it out, the more you're going to get it back, you know? It is the present that keeps on giving. You're so right. And I've experienced that since I've gone on this journey of kindness. Be kind in that moment. Absolutely brilliant. Ricky, thank you so much for your time. It's been invaluable. I know that everyone listening will absolutely love this podcast. Thank you so much and keep doing what you're doing. You're uh, changing the world. Thank you very much. It went really super fast as well. Right? <laughs> went so fast. Thank you so much, Ricky. You're very welcome. Take Cheers. care. Big love Bye. to you all. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Whether you're a CEO or department manager, you can build a more productive, profitable and engaged workforce through adopting the theory laid out in my latest book available on Amazon aptly also named A Culture of Kindness. It will guide you on how to be the type of leader that every employee remembers for all the right reasons. You can also subscribe to the monthly newsletter at www.nahalasummers.com to hear more about the latest talks, courses and upcoming podcast episodes. Thank you.